0: Love,
1: talk Radio Live from Washington, DC, It's quintessential listening. Poetry online radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. My special guest is noted poet Kathleen Cohen sparks and disperses is the title of her new book welcome to the program Kathleen
0: thank you Michael and thank you so much for having me
1: oh you're more than welcome I'm glad you're with me tonight let's begin this journey okay sure all right what is poetry
0: well, there's so many de- definitions. You just have to ask different poets, which you do. Yes. it's just a great it's a great service that you do. Um, I think a lot of the craft aspect um, of making something, but mostly a poem feels like a gift, a discovery. Um, there's a, a mystery to it, a humility in receiving it. Um, I think poets try to hear and capture. What's vital that comes through us, you know, with words, thoughts, and images, and then offering it to
1: others. Oh, very yeah. nice. I like that. You say a gift and or a discovery. That's the first time I've heard that particular one. Tell me more about this gift.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I teach a lot, and I've been teaching for poetry for more than twenty years. And when Wow. My st- my students who can be as young as four or five and up into adulthood, often when they start to write poetry, they're surprised by um, kind of their inner voices and the important things they're saying. And it, some of the young poets have said to me it's like magic coming to them, and, and it's something that comes through them that they feel they're receiving it. It's kind of a surprise. Oh, and
1: I feel like a that. A surprise. Very nice, very nice What are some of the predominant themes of your work? Of my work? Well,
0: I do write a lot about the lives of of children Since I've been a teacher for so long And I also, I'm a painter So I write a lot about what it's like to be a painter Who works not with words, but images And how do you really talk about that? Uh, I also write a lot about Connecting to others and um, sharing, making community, you know, being an other to someone, being someone who's different, and, and, mm-hmm. and where we have commonalities and, and building new community and, and things like that. So.
1: All right, very nice. Please share, Paul.
0: Sure. This is the first one in my new book called When We Enter the Story. We may grasp fragments that fall into our hands, countless bits swirling around us, a nonstop flood. No need to solder them together with gold like kitsugi. They already glitter from the time presence contracted and poured into vessels, which cracked. We didn't witness the explosion, but sometimes don't you feel tremors?
1: Thank you. Oh, very nice. Let's talk about sparks and disperses. What inspired the book?
0: Yes. Well, I started writing it during COVID, um, but the actual um, myth or metaphor that inspired me is an, is an ancient Jewish myth um, that was part of Kabbalah, but it's, it's the Lurian, Lurianic myth of the shattering of the vessels. So it's a spiritual myth about um, out of God's presence or presence of the divine um, coming to Earth and as kind of light and being poured into vessels that couldn't hold the light and they cracked. And so these sparks, these, these pieces of shards are scattered all over the world, and our job when we encounter something broken or sharp is to try to fix what we encounter. So um, we call it in Hebrew tikkun olam. So that is kind of the, the central idea of the title and also in that first poem and, and kind of how it applies to life. You know um, the joys of life, the beauty, and also the challenge, especially during the pandemic, right? So yes,
1: yes. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. very so, nice. When you write a poem, how does a poem begin for you? With an image, an idea, or a form? It's
0: really a great question, and it varies for me. So sometimes I mm-hmm. wake up. In the morning, you know, like a lot, I know a lot of the poets you've talked to say this, they, I wake up in the morning and language just comes to me, you know, maybe I've had a dream that I don't really remember, but something's working in me and so I have phrases, ideas and images, that can happen, but sometimes for me, since I'm a painter, I'll be out painting and, and suddenly a poem will come up and I'll throw down the brush and I'll run, run into the next room and go to the typewriter and, you know, go to the computer. And I'm like, okay, I have to do this now. So it, it, it really comes to me. It's not like I, I, I'm trying to think of something. It's usually received
1: in some way. So. Now, which do you prefer, painting or writing? Writing yeah. poetry.
0: Great question. I couldn't tell you. They often go hand in hand, right? Um, I'm not usually writing what's called ekphrastic poetry, which is, you know, where you're describing a work of art and you're describing it and then kind of moving to your own meaning from it. Usually that's not what I'm doing. Um, I'm usually, you know, kind of working with images that don't seem to have words and then words come to me. So um, it's mm. different, they, they kind of speak to each other um, And I, I've even recently given some poetry readings on Zoom Where I've shown images while I'm reading poems Which oh, that, seem to nice. connect, right? Yeah,
1: it's, it also yes.
0: hides me from the public And that, that's it too <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: You know, as you think about being a poet What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? you think back in time? uh, Yes. Yes.
0: Well, I started writing when I was in sixth grade. Um, I was a new student from our community. Our family had moved to a new town, and I was very, very shy and barely spoke in class. But we had this really amazing teacher, Mr. DeFalco, and he was into the arts, so he would have us do things like, We lived outside of New York city. We'd go take field trips to the Calder museum and see the mobiles. And um, he'd have us like outside in the winter, in the snow with our paints, painting, snow paintings. And he read poetry to us every day. And it was something I seemed to have a flair for. So I just was writing Mm -hmm. my poems, and he called that to the attention of everybody else. And I kind of, became known to kids in my class as the poet. So oh, wow. it actually it was a gift to me. Like I started to come out of my shell and really, you know, we all wrote poems and shared them, but I it was something I could do, you know? So it was amazing to me. So,
1: yeah. All right.
0: Well, please share another poem. Sure. Thank you. So this poem um, was done during the pandemic. Um, my daughter-in-law Tiffany and our friend Gila uh, were making beautiful ceramic mural outside. Um, and this is still in process, but we were standing out in the winter in the cold making this mural. So I wrote a ser- series of poems about this. This first poem is called Else We Be Scattered. We're fabricating a mural outside the house, not a tower or venture into the clouds. This isn't hubris. We know the earth is not of one language, and what we construct from old toys and cracked dishes will tell stories no one can read completely. It's not decoration. We roam the city, picking through jumble sales and trash, rescuing soup bowls that teeter on curbs. One family sets out a box of ceramic amphibians, Their son confides, they're moving in with friends, and can't keep these glowing dark frogs. So we lug treasures back, contorting our spines. Will these creatures be content to nest in the shattered shoals and tides of our designs? Will they add to the syllables, phrases, and words we need to teach ourselves? Thank you.
1: Your work, in my mind, is about emotion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, can someone be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions?
0: I think so, um, but I think Tell that me we more. Were, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of craft. You know, people can write very uh, intellectual poems or logic poems where they're asking cognitive questions. Um, Or even just describing the world around them, but I think we relate best to poems which show the emotion of the poet, where we can really connect to them. Those are the poets I I love, you know,
1: so. Well, I know that I already connect to you, (laughs) and I'm glad that you're here with me. Now. What is the relationship between your speaking – because there's a vibrance that comes across when you're reciting your work. What's the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice?
0: Oh, a good question. Um, you know, speaking, so we're in conversation with others and we're listening. And often when I'm in a crowd or even a group, I'm usually – I don't say a whole lot. My my children would tell you differently. But but I I tend to really want to listen and and speak pretty quickly. But when I'm writing, there's a lot more space, you know, and silence and and time for things to come through. So um, it's more thoughtful and there's more mystery to it. And I don't have to have a right answer, you know, or try to be wise wow. or anything like that. You know, I can just kind of – I think that's probably the truth of it. You know, I don't have any roles right. I have to pretend to fulfill, right?
1: So. Yeah. Isn't that a wonderful thing about poetry, that you can be whoever you want to be? Yeah. I think that is that's just so powerful so so powerful you can be high or low or whatever it is you want that you feel like being at that particular time and it's a beautiful thing agreed you know know, all right all great writers have great writing influences who are some of yours and what makes them great in your eyes
0: yes well they're you know they're poets who are so brilliant and they inspire you so I was thinking about that you would ask this question, so there, I have a bunch, right? So you know, people like Naomi Shihab Nye and Mary Oliver and um, Lucille Clifton and Marie Howe, um, people like that. But I also I've been lucky. Um, I'm not young, so I've had time to <laughs> study with some wonderful teachers. So I just name some of those for you. Um, there's one who uh, passed away a few years back, A.V. Christie. I've been studying with Nat Anderson, Fran Quinn, Jessica Jacobs, Art Celis Jermai. Um, but I also really admire poets who were doing a lot of collaborative work, raising up other poets and building community. And I'd like mm-hmm. to call out some of their names if I can. Yes, please. So, please. Yeah, some are Local, Like Yolanda Wisher, a former Poet Laureate of Philadelphia, she's been mentoring young poets through her Guerrilla Poetics workshops. And Trappina Mason, um, the current Poet Laureate of Philly, she just created last year a dial-up hotline called Healing First, where people can call in and really get a poem. And it also is um, kind of holding up the work of local poets. Um, I also um, have been really lucky to know John Fox, a poet from California, who was one of the Yes, early, I know John Fox. Do you know John? Um, yeah, he's yes. a great mentor, and I love him. And I've worked with him. He got some of our We the Poets program started here in Philly. Really supported us and gave us a grant in, in early years. Um, oh wow. and then, Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been really lucky to work with so many talented poets at our nonprofit called Artwell. Um, All these amazingly talented and passionate teachers and poets. And a couple of them that are active right now are Enoch the Poet and Lindo Yes. And you can look them up online. They're really talented. So I've been so lucky to to be part of lots of poetry communities. I mean, there's one more. All right, very nice. Yes. So Hila Ratsabi, who is growing, great poet, and she's growing a great poetry community online through a place called Ritual Well. Um, so a lot more spiritual poetry there.
1: So all these folks well, really
0: inspire me. Yeah.
1: Very nice. Please share. I want to hear more of your work. Please share another
0: poem. Sure. So I can do another one about um, making this mural. Um, it's called Layers. One of us loves to smash plates, then pieces scraps together like a puzzle. She trusts where this will lead. Another snaps on gloves and reaches for chips, sharp as she needs, for intricate petals, tangled thorns, her glitter garden. I choose from bins or what falls, as do the neighbor's chickens, whose peck at inspiration, which can lead them astray. Yesterday, a woman phoned from blocks away, perplexed by squawking on her porch. My art is this haphazard. Sometimes new shapes appear overnight, red exclamations or secrets we notice later. Perhaps children added them. We welcome their fragments and will pull this fabric around us.
1: Thanks. Very nice. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. of the prevalent ingredients that would go into the concoction that we call a cake?
0: Well, I think um, images and music and, mm. um, and aspirations and feelings and challenges um, and experience um, and important social issues and connecting So, you know, language from one person to others.
1: I like that definition. I like that concoction. And (laughs) when you mentioned social issues, that really stood out to me. Because, as you know, Kathleen, so much is happening in our world. So much is happening, the good, bad, and indifferent of our world. What is the role of a poet in modern-day society?
0: Well, I think, you know, a poet can definitely function on, a, on an intimate level, you know, where you, you can touch from your experience and your questioning um, into the, the deep heart of someone else. So there can be that intimate um, connection, which is really important, you know, ways to help us learn as listeners or readers about how poets are living, you know, their, their experiences or challenges you know their their suffering, their joys, their lessons can help us live our lives um they can you know help us dream and offer solace to us, help us hope and create, but also they can you know shine a light on what's happening and really um list up issues that are so important you know cultural social issues um issues of justice and injustice um issues um so big in the world today so that is something very important so i think that that's essential and i think sometimes poets can do that kind of almost in ways that are better than than other ways there's something so focusing and so kind of personal and deep about the way poets write so um yeah, that's what I, I think that. I, I know that I'm moved sometimes. I mean, we all read the yes. news, we listen, but sometimes yes. poets can bring bring us to more commitment almost.
1: Uh, well, one of the issues that we've all been faced with has been the pandemic. How did your writing change during that time? And it's still going on, but how did your writing change?
0: Um. You know, wanting to connect so much and then realizing that, you know, we were all isolated in our spaces so much, but my mm-hmm. poem started to talk about that. So both appreciating all the beautiful little moments and little things um, uh, being being very happy with just you know a phone call or connection in a day. Yes. Um, so my mm-hmm. writing would reflect those small things, but also lots of dreaming, and and lots of kind of finding solace and learning. I studied a lot. Um, I I started teaching adults for the first time because I'd been just te- you know teaching children, and so. Okay. Yeah, so my poetry changed as I suddenly had to study and learn as I was teaching, right? So um, it changed my poetry quite a bit,
1: I think, yeah. What do you think you learned about yourself with those changes?
0: Um, I learned that I was more comfortable with silence and with more solitude because um, I would had a busy life as a teacher and a family member, um, you know, I, yes. I'm very lucky that I have a large family. But so dealing with solitude and more spiritual, too. So I, I suddenly started to get fascinated again with my, my faith community and started to uh, learn more about, you know, the Old Testament study, more about kind of Jewish morality and values mm-hmm. and, and delving in there. I had more time because I wasn't running into classrooms from school to school anymore. So I could <laughs> study and, and suddenly my poems started to change. And I also started to get published, right? So oh, wow. I never focused on that until the pandemic. <laughs> I didn't. So, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: How has the publishing process been for you? Because it can be very fraught with difficulty, or it has been for a lot of people trying to publish. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's not easy. Um, and also it's the business and aspect of it, and and not you can get too caught up in it, and that takes yes. away from the joy and creativity, so I you know that's what I love, you know, like most of us artists, right? So that part's harder. you know
1: Yes, please share another poll. Sure, okay.
0: So I've you know done a lot of teaching uh, here and abroad. So I have a poem about teaching overseas. It's called Outsider. Will she accept me, outsider, new teacher? I would offer a hand but wait and receive her stiff smile. Like branches we tremble. Her scarves twirl and unfurl. As if on cue, we lean to unfold each other. Two still women on the bright lawn Among cypresses, I've brought a book for the children. She holds out a plate. The air exhales in various languages, embracing
1: us. Thanks. Very nice. As you think about writing, and we talk briefly about creativity and joy, Does writing energize or exhaust you?
0: Energize for sure. Well, certainly when you begin, um, it is very exciting to suddenly have language come through you and and feel like a voice is speaking through you. Um, And then the editing process is not as, you know, Um, much about discovery in that way you know suddenly you are um, thinking differently and it's it can be a different kind of work but yeah I I usually don't do it the same day I'll do it another day or, or over a course of several days and you know lately I've been embracing that a lot more so it's an opportunity to think and study and do some due diligence. Like if I a word comes to me and I'm not sure I really understand all the meanings of that word, I'll look it up. You know, I'll I'll do more. You know what I mean? More of that background work. So it does energize me, and then it feels like a wholeness. This ends afterwards. Like if I can write a poem one day or work on a poem or do some painting, that's a good day. No matter what what comes out of it. You know, it might be a poem that ultimately I think fails, but that, that practice of, of um, concentrating and meditating and um, focusing is really healthy. So, you know, I walk away calm. You
1: know. Well, you know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Mm-hmm. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others huh. edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it?
0: I think it can be a bit of both. Um, sometimes it does feel like a, a poem comes through, and it just wants to be done. But I'm very, happy to, <laughs> I'm very happy to be in conversation with it later. You know, when 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 I think about it later, because it, it's then to communicate with others. So maybe I need to explain something or say it in a different way, or wonder what I really was saying in the first place. So um, mm-hmm. I'm happy I'm happy to work
1: with it And I need to do that more Has a poem ever humbled Or frightened you? Yes What was it? When did it happen? <laughs> and what did you do afterward? <laughs> That's my yes. question
0: Yes, often Often that does happen um, It often happens um, especially like when I'm trying to talk about an experience which I share with others. So um, if I want to report on an event that happened, you know, both being um, kind and um, compassionate and very open about what really happened. So I I don't want to ever hurt anybody else, um, you know, even imply that in a poem. So that sort of thing can, make me feel very humbled or, you know, it can be frightening sometimes. But um yeah, but taking a risk is a way to learn. And so yes, I yes. will do that some I definitely will do that sometimes. Um sometimes when I'm talking about spiritual matters where I'm not really sure what what I think or feel, that can be really mm-hmm. humbling and um lead to a lot of a, a lot of discovery for sure. Um
1: Yeah. It
0: sounds like
1: you know yourself. Yeah.
0: Hopefully learning to know myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please share another poem.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, if this is a poem like that, okay?
1: <laughs> it's called Dust.
0: <laughs> I abandon my desk, twist down the stairwell, and out to the street into a nearby church, which hosts Tibetan monks, Three saffron-robed men bent over the floor, scattering colored sand. I blink to adjust to dim Why don't they ask for more light? Two weeks they've been here, intent on their artwork. Static fills the chapel. Are they whispering, praying, or is this the rasp of their sticks dispersing dust? Oceans form, storms, fanciful creatures, desires, all needing to be noticed or made pure. Fringed flowers, vines, yellow tongues, secret doors. I often return, but can't bring myself to that last ritual, that final day. I hear that local children arrive and bring brooms. Everyone stands in the circle, and chants until one monk breaks the mandala with his thumb. This signals a great collecting of dust into jars, carried to the river and cast to widen the
1: blessing. Thanks. Oh, wow. That was beautiful. Thanks. Whenever I've seen a mandala, the way they construct them and the way they dissemble them. Yes. I mean, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that they took that much time and energy in terms of putting it together, constructing it, then to just blow it away. Like life. (laughs) Right. Like life. (laughs) Oh, like life. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) You know, poems are either titled or untitled. What is your view on what role the title should play in a poem?
0: Yeah, I'm learning a lot about titles. Um, I think for me, the titles that work better are the ones that add an extra layer of meaning to the poem, and so it's not simply um, focusing the poem. It focuses the poem, but it's not simply a repetition of something that happens within the poem, but it either sets you up with a question or it directs you in some way. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and maybe leads to more questions too. So that's what I try, I'm trying to learn to do.
1: You know, I often question in terms of titling. Just the process itself. Should I say something? Should I write a title? Should I not? What's your thoughts on that, whether you should or you shouldn't? Should, should it be untitled or not?
0: Ah, uh, um, yeah, that, yeah. I try to title them. Um, sometimes they're, they're part, you know, poems are in sections, and so mm-hmm. I've written poems like that. So I don't title each section because they just seem to flow one to the no- another. I don't know if you've had that experience.
1: And
0: then it doesn't seem seem like you need a title so much, you know. um, But otherwise, I'm trying
1: for titles. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) The same way. (laughs) The same way. You know, Kathleen, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, musicians, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you?
0: I think um you know honesty ultimately and you know I think a really a desire to communicate and connect and I think appreciation for the beauty of this world and and hopefully clear eyes um on reporting about the things that are real challenges you know being able to have be, have a range and 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 to be to be honest that way, you know. But it oh, mostly, very nice. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like that. It sounds like connections are very important to you. Yes. All right. Please share another piece. Sure.
0: Well, here's a poem from that series about um, making the mural. And, and doing that made um, lots of memories come up, so... This title is, I Place a Red Tile in the Mural. For Zamir, who skipped school after his house burned, kitchen stove exploded, not meant to flicker all night, warming him and his brother, parentless most of the winter. We took up a collection of clothes and spare cash. Zamir returned, sobbing, striking out at older boys inviting beatings, followed by foster care in another part of town, another school. How I miss his scapped-toothed smile, his pride upon learning to read. We'd hunker in back of class, sounding things out.
1: Thanks. Would you read that one again for me? That really touched me. Would you read that one again? I love it.
0: Thank you. I place a red tile in the mural for Zamir, who skipped school after his house burned. Kitchen stove exploded, not meant to flicker all night, warming him and his brother, parentless most of the winter. We took up a collection of clothes and spare cash. Zamir returned, sobbing striking out at older boys, inviting beatings, followed by foster care in another part of town, another school. How I miss his gap-toothed smile, his pride upon learning to read. We'd hunker in back of class, sounding things out.
1: Wow. I don't know
0: Can you hear me, Michael? Well.
1: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show.
0: Michael. <laughs>